What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Cheers from the Press Box. I'm your host this week, Brennan Tassif, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, the Beanie Boy is back, Joe Dorville. What's up, man? What's going on, Brennan? How's everybody doing out there? No one else to talk to. <laughs> no one else. We're going to do a quick rundown of the show. If you're new to the show, we're going to... Uh, Start the show with all the big topics and all the major sports happening in this past week. We'll talk a little NFL. We've got the draft week this week. We'll go NBA and then NHL. Then we'll go into the quick hits, which will be a question portion. Joe has questions for me. I have questions for him. We'll go back and forth with that quick. Make sure they're quick hits. Then we will get into the walk-off. Yeah, that's why I always say that. (laughs) We will get into the walk-off, which will be a short essay portion by Joe and myself. And then we'll wrap it up. With the press conference, but we're going to start this week the same way we do every week, kicking it off. Ready to return the opening kickoff. Perfect way to kick off. Here we go. All right, Joe. Normally this time of year, we do run NBA a lot. But Can you hear the excitement it, in Brennan's voice right now, With folks? it being draft week, baby. The smile on his face, a lilt in his, in his tone. We're starting with the NFL, but first, before we get to the draft, we're going to talk about this Orlando Brown trade, the starting tackle for the Baltimore Ravens, shipped off to Kansas City, where they're in desperate need of offensive linemen. They're trying to plug some holes. Joe, what'd you think about the trade just a few days before the draft? Um, I I thought it was good for both sides. Orlando Brown uh, voices displeasure with being there because Ronnie Stanley was going to be the left tackle once he came back. And that's where he wanted to play. So uh, I don't know if anybody's aware, but Kansas City in desperate need of good tackle (laughs) play. Uh, They went in to address the guard situation, but they had not reached out and got any tackles. So um, this is a win-win for both teams. Uh, I I, I want to see what um, where are their names again the Ravens I want to see what the Ravens do with these picks uh, yeah because they need to address a bunch of needs whether it be um, linebacker after loot they lost Judon right I'm pretty sure yes Judon yeah, is playing for the uh, Patriots Patriots now. yeah okay so after losing Judon um, losing. Uh, Orlando Brown on at the tackle position, um, and they still need receivers because Sammy Watkins is not the answer to all your problems, as we all know. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, just to break it down for everybody listening, Kansas City gets Orlando Brown Jr. They get a 2021 second round pick, which will be number 58 from the Ravens, and then a 2022 six round pick. Baltimore will get their uh, first round pick, which will be 31 since they lost in the Super Bowl. They will also get their third round pick, fourth round pick, and a 2022 fifth round pick. So, I mean, tackles are hard to come by, especially uh, starting left tackles. And that's where Orlando Brown Jr. wants to play. So that's probably where he'll be at in Kansas City. But, I mean, that's a lot of picks. So, like you said, I think it's a win-win now. But we will not know until we see what they do with those picks in this year's NFL draft, which will be this Thursday, April 29th. The excitement is back in his voice. Joe, we're going to talk draft. Now, Let's first thing it. we're going to talk about is we're going to get into an argument because yes. I find the draft incredibly interesting. I'm fascinated by the team's decisions. Um, you think the draft is of little or no significance long term or, or short term. We were talking about this a little bit before we came on. So just real quick, I'm going to make my point that I was trying to make earlier. But you told me to save, save it for the show. I love the draft because I like to see how the teams develop. I love to see the ebb and flow, almost like it's a living organism that is developing over time. Um, when I was when I used to play franchise mode on Madden, a lot of times I wouldn't I'd sim the games just to get to the offseason because I love the movement and trades and signs and the draft. I think it's interesting to see how players performed in college and how that translates to the NFL. Um, I really love being right on certain long shot picks, 
And I really hate being wrong on things that I thought like, oh, that's a guarantee. So I don't know. I just, I like the, um, I guess the inconsistency with the draft keeps it very interesting. Now, my point to you when we were getting ready and why this became an impromptu topic was the draft is nothing but Roger Goodell reading names, players walking, getting a hug in suits, and then keeping it pushing. This has nothing to do with the actual gameplay. This is just theater of the mind. It's a bit of a slave auction. Um, it's it's just it's just popping circumstances. It's making something important that doesn't really need to be important. Um, no player has been. It's rare the player drafted first overall and takes their team to the playoffs the next season. The terrible teams get rewarded for no good reason, just because that's how it's been for years now. Um, and the draft is just a stupid system. Uh, it should go to a free agency model. We've had this discussion, but we've never actually flushed it out. No, I so I agree with what you're saying about the free agency model um, to a certain extent. But what I'm saying is the draft in its form now is what the players bargain for. This is the, the, what is in the contracts. This is how the NFL and the NFLPA have come to a conclusion on how players will go to new teams coming out of college. So with that being said, I find the system as broken as it may be. I find the system of acquiring new players. Interesting. I think seeing where teams decide to go. It's interesting, but watching the draft is of no value to none of us because 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 for the fact that you will people will shit on a player all college football season and then when their teams drafts that player oh he's gonna be good he's gonna yeah on a dime you change we've been crushing justin fields all year because we don't, because us personally don't like Ohio State quarterbacks. If he was to get drafted first overall, you would trick yourself into. I would into lose my fucking mind. And then in three weeks, I, I would talk say myself two into weeks, it. Yeah. You'd be like, I mean, he's been really good with the media. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and we've talked about that. I know I've just had walk-offs about that ad nauseum about how people who, root, quote unquote, uh, fairweather fans and stuff like that and how sickening it is to me. Um, and it's the same thing with the draft. You know, you could scream up and down how you don't like certain players and then your team drafts them. You know, I've got certain rules. Uh, don't take Ohio State quarterbacks. Don't take running backs in the first round. Never draft a player from Florida in the first round. Um, and those, I, you know, just little things. But um, but it's just, I, I, I don't know. It's it's the, the team building aspect. And I think this goes back to like when I was a kid. Like I always would rather play role-playing games versus first-person shooters because I love the development over time, which is the same reason why I love the draft. It's like that development of, okay, we got X, Y, and Z player. We'll see how they plug in. Some of them might bust. Then we'll see where we're at after that. Like that just slow development, I guess, is why I like it. But to your point, I've, you know, I work in a restaurant. So a lot of weekends I end up working, especially at night. So there are times where I've missed the entire draft. And then I just catch up on Monday on a spreadsheet. Like, it's not like I don't have to watch the draft, but I find the acquisition of players fascinating. Um, I find this to be, I find free agency. When free agency opens, I find that to be fascinating yeah. because those are proven commodities. This exactly. is a random crapshoot. Like you said it is. a You're couple right, weeks yeah. ago, 50% of the quarterbacks bust. I was going to say, when, when uh, Buffalo drafted EJ Manuel, oh those fans God. definitely tricked themselves in thinking, we have Remember a quarterback Christian for Ponder? the next 10 years. Christian Ponder was supposed to be the savior for Minnesota. Let's not even go that far. Two years ago, everybody tricked themselves into Sam Darnold being the savior in New York. So, and where are they? Right back at number two overall. So, yeah, it's just. I think it's from the 2010 draft or 2015. I saw something somewhere where it says not a a first round quarterback is no first round quarterback is still with the team from maybe it was 2015, something like that. Yeah, 2015, 2016. I think Stafford was the last one. Yeah, he was. Which is yeah. insane to me. <laughs> so yeah. But speaking of quarterbacks no longer being with their team, Joe, mm. out of the top five QBs projected to go in the first round or in the first two rounds, pretty high in the second, you know who we're talking about. Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Zach Wilson. Who do you have curveball as your worst quarterback? Um 
Now, worst meaning they're going to have the worst career. Yes. Okay. You wrote the question, so I'm assuming that's what you meant. I was trying to elude that point. Um, I was trying to clarify <laughs> for you on the fly. Um, the worst career, I think, is going to be Zach Wilson. Whoa! <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, ladies and gentlemen, before the show, when we were doing pre-production, <laughs> I thought I guessed correctly at Joe's... Um, what Joe was going to say, and he hinted that I did, so you just threw me for a huge curveball. Um, I thought for sure you'd say Mac Jones. I don't think Mac Jones, because if Mac Jones is to go third, I think that Shanahan system yeah. will hide a lot of deficiencies. Um, especially athletically. Up, yeah, especially, which is his main. That's why they should go after Justin Fields. I don't know why this whole talk is happening. Um, if he's to go to New England, potentially, which is another landing spot, I think Belichick and Josh McDaniels, I trust in them like fucking they're the Michelin man. Uh, but Zach Wilson is the biggest curveball to me because one, he came out of nowhere. Uh, no one knew his name last year. He had one good yep. season in a COVID shortened season, in a COVID uh, disguised season. They lost a game to Coastal Carolina. Everybody keep talking about I, how this kid was phenomenal. He had 17 points on a Coastal Carolina team that couldn't sniff the that top was- 10. That was a big game for us because I wanted Coastal Carolina to stay undefeated and I was hoping that they'd win their bowl game and then that way it would be a UCF situation, but they lost their bowl game. But yeah, I remember everyone was talking about BYU and Zach Wilson and this offense putting 100 points on people and blah, blah, blah. And then they got shut down by a team that was a 1AA school two years ago. Yeah. Um, He's undersized. I don't love that. How many... Of all the undersized guys that have been drafted since Russell Wilson, how many of them have really panned out? We still haven't seen a ton out of Kyler. Baker Mayfield looks to be a middling quarterback. He's not going to be that great. So you got one out of 10 of those guys. Like everything about Zach Wilson seems like one season of hype and there's no substance there. And they still don't have any surrounding pieces. Now, if they go and make a bunch of other draft picks, like getting actual receivers to play that position and actually catch the ball, um, maybe he has a shot, but the Jets just, they're just a graveyard of quarterbacks, man. Yeah, I I, I agree with you there. Um, I think uh, Zach Wilson um, has a lot of tools. He's got one of the best arms in in the league, or excuse me, in the the five quarterbacks we're talking about, but like Heard you said that about Sam Darnold as well. Yep. Yeah, we did. But he is undersized. I mean, he's only 200 pounds. It's six. I mean, he's tall. He's six, three, but he's only 200 pounds. Oh, he's six, three. Which, oh, I thought he was six foot. No, no, no. He's six, three, oh, yeah. 200. But to start in the end of, cause he's going to be expected to start right when he walks Day in there. One, and I yeah. don't think, yeah, I don't think that's going to be something that he's going to be able to contend with. Well, maybe he does. Um, there's talk too about how he doesn't get along quote unquote, with some people, basically there's some talk out there that he's kind of an asshole. And mm-hmm. I heard an interview with his coach where his coach says, no, he's just competitive. He's just competitive. He's not a jerk. He's just competitive. But it's like, eh, you had enough people out there saying, <laughs> you, you know, looks like a duck quacks like a duck. You know what I mean? But um, I am, I am uh, gearing up for the most uh, spiritually diverse team, Muslim head coach, uh, Mormon quarterback. That's going to make for some great fodder. On the back of the New York Post. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. Um, So for me, um, I have Trey Lance only because he's two years away from being two years away. I think he's only 20 years old. Um, He's, you know, not undersized by any means. He's 6'4", 224 pounds. He's an athletic big boy. Yeah, he's he's. Big. He's uh, fairly athletic with the North Dakota State system that they run. You have to be. It's kind of a RPO type uh, offense. My problem uh, that I have with Trey Lance is just uh, 15 games uh, overall in his career. He only played one game last year, and it's a game they lost. He didn't play very well. I think if he goes, say, to Atlanta at four, if they don't trade out, that would be a good situation for him because it'll give him a chance to learn under Matt Ryan, under the tutelage of Matt Ryan. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's going to go somewhere where he's expected to start, maybe not day one, but obviously within the season. And that's the problem with the NFL today is that 
when you're drafted that high, you're expected to start sometime in your first year, eventually by a halfway point or whatever, but then that doesn't give you time to develop. So there's a guy like Trey, who's only 20 years old, who played at a, you know, a smaller school. So didn't go against this great competition, needs time to develop, but he won't be afforded that opportunity because of the way the NFL works nowadays, he's going to be taken too high to be afforded that opportunity. So I think, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I've said it a hundred times. Nobody who's going this high in the draft is bad at their sport. They're in bad situations. So I, you know, Dominic Foxworth said it best. Quarterbacks don't fail the team. The team fails the quarterback. So I think this will be a situation that Trey Lance is in. Athletically, he's one of the top tier quarterbacks. Um, He's gifted with his arm. He can process incredibly quickly. But I think he's going to be put in a situation where he's going to look around and go, oh, shit. This is way faster and he's not going to have any time to adjust. So I, that's why I think he's going to have the worst career projection long-term. I got Zach Wilson at six, two. Oh, really? I just looked it up on Wikipedia. Um, (laughs) We're going from worst to best. Now, Joe chock full of running backs in this class as it is every year, every year, no no need to take one in the first round. Joe, who do you have going as your best running back? Long-term career-wise in this draft. Long-term career-wise, you know how, you know, it's easy to pick a first-round quarterback or running back um, and project them as the best career. But I'm going to go a little further down the line. This kid's name popped out to me. I remember hearing about him having a great short and short season. He played like maybe six, seven games. Jarrett Patterson out of Buffalo. Oh, okay. Garrett Patterson out of Buffalo. He was on pace to be like a good, really good running back last year. The season was shortened this year. So he had little time to work with. And I believe he had a 300-yard rushing game at some point. He's a bit undersized at 5'7", but very durable. Uh, Got a lot of weight on him at 195. I think he'll have the longest career of all the running backs. If I have a number two, I'll say it if Brennan doesn't pick him. Okay, so my guy is, um, this is going to be kind of a curveball, I think, for you. I'm going Trey Sermon out of Ohio State. Oh, wow. Okay, wow. Yeah, so uh, he was super, like, highly regarded uh, last year. Uh, Then he kind of didn't really hear very much about him this year um, as far as top guys. Uh, The reason I'm not going for the obvious top choices, uh, Najee Harris, obviously, you know, Fantastic running back out of Alabama. I don't trust I just, Alabama running backs. Exactly. <laughs> Derrick Henry's the only one that's actually yeah. been what we thought he would be out of God. Just there's one in the first two rounds Go every single year. Eddie it seems Lacey, like. Trent Richardson, and there's another one in there. But we yeah. had uh we had T Y uh T Y Yeldon. T J Yeldon. Yeah. We had him for a while and it was and he was a backup and we took him in like the second round. Yeah. Um Travis Etienne is um, a fantastic, uh, especially as pa- a pass catcher. Um, he's pretty quick at four, four, five, forty. Problem is he gets hurt a little bit. Anyway, I think Sermon is going to be one of those guys, super durable at six three, two hundred fifteen pounds. A little big for the running back spot. Uh, normally, you want to be a little shorter to have a lower center of gravity. But I got him, and I got Javante Williams out of North Carolina as How my top two. How tall did you two. have him? Huh? How big did you have him? Sermon is 6'3", 215. I got him a six foot. No, I'm looking no. at it right now. The six foot three, 215 pound Sermon ran a four, five, seven, 40 yard I'm, dash. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah this right. is on uh, the NFL draft pre-draft site. Okay. I'm on ESPN's pre-draft, but okay. Um, and then I've got Javante Williams screen. from North Carolina as my number, number two guy. Cause he's <laughs> my number two that, is going to be Cuba Hubbard. Oklahoma oh my State. God, that was going to be my number one. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I was like, if he takes him, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> yeah, it's just with that ankle injury that he had last year. I I, I was nervous. No, nah, I think he's going to have some good uh, long-term. He is the, has great size. He, I was um, going to say, he's the prototype. Six foot, yeah. 210 pounds, four four forty. So yeah. he's, he's literally the prototype. And this is what we're talking about. So, and we've done this before. I know I've broken this down on walk-offs before. The difference between Hubbard and Najee is going to be tenths of a second when it comes to certain drills, inches when it comes to other drills, things like that. But one's going to go in the first round, probably in the bottom of the first round. The other one's probably not going to get taken until day three. And when all the dust settles, 
I honestly think those later round guys are going to have a better opportunity. They go to better teams. I would say they go to better, better teams. systems. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, all right. We've talked a lot about offense so far, and I'm getting kind of sick and tired of it. Let's go to <laughs> defense. Pass rush is the name of the game on defense. Joe, who do you have as your best defensive end slash pass rusher? My best defensive end slash pass runner. We're going to agree on this one. I don't think so. <clears throat> because mine hails from Florida. Okay. Particularly South Florida. Okay. Particularly the University of Miami. I knew we were going to agree on this. And his name is Gregory Russo. Yep. Oh, <laughs> wow. I didn't think we were going to actually line up. I thought you were going to go Jalen Phillips on me. No. Well, Gregory Russo did not play last year. He sat out due to COVID. But the year he did play, he was only behind Chase Daniels in sacks. He was a man amongst boys. He was a wrecking crew. Um, I think at six, who, how, what do you have him listed at? I have him at six, seven, two sixty six. Uh, yes. Okay. That is a big boy. He's going to be a problem for offensive linemen to deal with. Um, he runs a four, six unofficially because everything's unofficial because there's no combine. Um, that's the number I have him at, but, um, no, I think with his size and his quickness, he's going to be a nightmare in the backfield for opposing quarterbacks and he will have, and where he's slotted right now as the fifth best uh, DN, um, he will end up going to a good team. So he'll have good pieces around him and be able to flourish long term. Yeah, I agree with you. So Jalen Phillips was out for me because of for those of you who don't know listening, he was a five star recruit recruited by UCLA. He had to retire due to concussion issues. Um so he retired, took all of the 2019 season off. Uh, and then this past season came in, transferred to Miami, came in there and was feeling better and ended up having a fantastic uh, year. He had all the, you know, he's all the physical tools, like you said, you know, over that 250 pound range. So just a couple of the guys that are listed ahead of who we've got. Um, so. Jason Owe from Penn State didn't even record a sack this year. He does make a big impact. Like we talked about the difference between sacks and pressures. He does get a lot of pressure. He is normally double teamed, but just you can't, you can't be playing. I don't care if it's <laughs> Big Ten Division One football. You can't not get a sack. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Pay from Michigan, who's the top rated edge rusher, according to Pro Football Focus. Is just he's a junior. I don't like guys that come in that are underclassmen at uh, on the line because that's that's grown men shit. So uh, we'll see how he does. But again, I've got Rousseau. Rousseau was the number one pass rush prospect going into this season. Yeah. Um, Before so, he took the year off. So yeah, exactly. So he's and he is an underclassman as well. But you know he had that redshirt year. So really, I, I I don't you know what I mean. I don't. It's different when you're a true junior versus when you're a redshirt junior. You, you know you're already done with school anyway. And he's a monster, like you said. Uh, he's got all the size you could want, all the intangibles as far as uh, athletic ability, and then the intangibles off the field. He's a great leader. I've heard nothing but good things coming out of the U for Russo. So he's my long term projection to have the best career at. Rush and I, they don't even call it defensive end anymore. They just say pass rusher. Yeah, Z, Z. All right, <laughs> moving on. Now we're going to the NBA. Joe got some bad news. My Philadelphia 76ers have lost four Ooh. straight. Three of those four have been in almost in devastating fashion. One of them was a complete blowout, the other were both by pretty much double digits. One was nine points, but we'll say double digits. Embiid, my man, my MVP vote, even though he's missed a lot of the season, is out with a shoulder injury. Ben Simmons has not been playing. Where are we at with the 76ers as far as the East and going into the playoffs? Only a few weeks away. What do you think, Joe? Playoffs a few weeks away. I think the Sixers are not where they want to be. Um, <laughs> Understatement of the century. Uh, losing four straight in the fashion in which they did. Only one of those games were close. And that game wasn't even really close, but a half-court heave would have got them to an overtime. Um, 
they got dusted by a Golden State Warrior team that's not that good and only is relying on Steph Curry to be amazing. Uh, I believe he had 89 three-pointers in the month of April, making it the most in one month ever. Um, and they got fucking punked by Giannis and the Bucks back-to-back games. Um, yeah. Especially that second game. that was They, they got punked. Yeah, the second game, I don't think anybody played. I think that was the game both Embiid and Simmons sat out. Um, the other games, at least Embiid was there. But, um, yeah, no, this is going to end up, they're going to end up playing a better team, a team that they don't want to see, somebody like maybe Miami, um, maybe the Wizards. Wizards. Um, yeah, uh, the Zardos. We'll talk about that soon. Um, but, yeah, uh this is you want to be in that one seed. You want to be in that one seed because you will play the the loser um, of the well, the lesser of the team. But yeah, no, the one two matchups in the East are going to be a dogfight because a good team will be there. Um, it'll be easier to be the one seed because you're playing a team that had to play a couple more games to get into the playoffs. Yeah, so, with the playing game and everything like that. So yeah, how do you feel about your? Four loss, 76ers. Um, so I think, uh, like you said, Embiid was out this past game with a shoulder thing, and then uh, Ben Simmons is out. They'll come back. I think they're going to be all right. I think we're going to be okay. I think uh, Ben forever Simmons. The yeah, forever the optimist. Uh, I think I think once all the players come back healthy, I think Embiid's going to be back true to form. I think what's happening is they're kind of like, <clears throat> they know they're in the playoffs and you know what I mean? Like, it's that almost like senioritis, like, all right, let's just get to the playoffs. Like, we're kind of over this regular season with the protocols and with the travel being so different and everything like that. I think they're just kind of over it. And so they just want to get to the playoffs. So I think I think they'll pick it up. But a team that came out of nowhere and surprised everybody this year, the New York Boy. Knickerbockers are now in fourth. Are they for real, Joe? You know what? Maybe. <laughs> um, well, everyone Knicks, made fun of it two years ago when they had all those short contracts that were kind of top heavy. Okay, they were the like, reason, who the fuck are they doing? The reason it was made fun of because they signed like four power fours. It was I like, know. how are you going to get any of these? But guys? now going they into next season, they're the only team with cap space. They've got like $65 million in cap space next season. because Draft of it. picks and cap space. That was the Celtics name for a long time. And now they're the sixth seed a couple years later. Um <laughs> It depends on what you do with that cap space. But, um, no, they're getting a fantastic season now. Julius Randle, seven years after it was uh, predicted. Um, Derrick Rose finally has recovered from his knees. Uh, R.J. Barrett looks to be as com- com- more competent than I anticipated. Um, so, yeah, no, they got a bunch of guys. Uh, quickly, they got a bunch of guys that either you know their name and you're like, wow, they're still in the league or you don't know their name. And it's like, where'd this person come from? Yeah. Um, like Nerlens Noel, Alex Burke. Those are a couple guys. It's like, Oh wow. Still hanging around. And then I'll tell you Iman quickly. And you're like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, they got a hodgepodge. They're horrible offensively. They are excellent defensively, which is the trademark of a Tom Thibodeau team. Yeah. Um, I don't see them going far. They could actually make the second round, which is a possibility. Um, yeah, the, no more aspirations than that. Uh, Bill, this kind of ruins the Knicks method because the Knicks for the last, what I feel like eight, nine years have been, we're going to get the first pick and they're going to be amazing. And now it's like, oh man, we can't get the first pick, but we're good, but we're not good enough. Like, yeah, uh. that no man's land. And it's crazy. Julius Randall's actually putting up statistics that are comparable to uh, Larry Bird's two MVP seasons, which we'll talk about later in my walk off. Um, I think this is, don't, don't do this to yourself. <laughs> I don't, I, I think this is kind of, I think it's kind of cool how, well they are playing especially when it comes to defensively and like you said it's a it's a whole mix of different guys that you like you you didn't know were in the league or you didn't know we're still in the league and a lot of people are saying oh rj bunch of draft picks ship them out to minnesota to get uh towns but i don't think the knicks are to quote you about that life i think um (laughs) I think they're going to try and build it with the cap space that they have and with the draft picks that they already 
um, have instead of trying to acquire new talent like the whole Carmelo Anthony situation, which he was good for them for a few years and they did make the playoffs and made a little bit of a run. But to move all of that uh, capital to try and get one quote unquote superstar player that's not even been able to transform his own team, much like the Carmelo situation. Like, I think that'd be a waste that's, of... Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not going to stand here for any Carmelo slander. Carmelo had already no, that's been not slander. to the Western Conference Finals. What are you talking about? That's Cats true. Made, Chauncey... Cats made it to the playoffs once. Was that Chauncey Billups' team, that one? That one, that year? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but we were in the playoffs every year prior I know. to that. No, but what I, you, you understand what I'm saying is that you're you're moving all these assets and you're not going to get. It, I'd say the same thing about James Harden. Like you're going to get these players that have these also astronomical Western numbers. Conference play, play. <laughs> I know, but what's his rap? The same rap that they all have. You know, flames out when the pressure's on the line. Can't handle it. Hey, the, only a few win the championship, Brennan. It's not like everybody wins the championship every year. I it know. Was, it's something everybody did. We wouldn't call them champions. Okay. All right. Not everyone gets a trophy here on Cheers from the Press Box. But I think the Knicks are, like you said, in that no man's land where they they might be able to get to the second round, but they're not gonna they're not gonna perform poorly enough to get a super high pick, but they're not gonna perform well enough to where everyone's like, Oh, we'll just, you know, reload it next year, same thing, bring it run it all back. So yeah. in that weird no man's land. Speaking of performing poorly, But still, just enough to make it so. (laughs) The Wizards are going to make the playoffs, as I predicted here on the show. As he predicted. I think I also predicted it. You did. I think I got off the train very early after their very slow start. Choo-choo, baby. Um, Brennan was long and steady, wins the race. He was the hair in this. I was the Well, he was the tortoise. I was was the the hair. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Mixing up my metaphors here. Um, Just put out an album, folks. I used all my metaphors there. You go check that out. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, the Zardos are, they won eight straight, which is insane. Um, Because some of those teams were like very good teams. It's not like you're going to face eight bottom tier opponents. Um, they beat the Warriors in that. Actually, a lot of bottom tier opponents. The best win in that was the Jazz and the Warriors. Yeah. Other than that, it's a bunch of Kings, Pistons, Cavs, and Thunder. Um, but hey, you got to beat who's on your schedule, right? You got to beat the team in front of you. Um, Bradley Bill came back from a short stint on the injury list, and him and Russ have gotten back to working. Uh, Russ chasing triple doubles, Bill chasing a scoring title. Not to mind you, they found that they got they got the Warriors at the end of like a seven game road trip, so they were kind of tired by the time they got to them. Um, but still, Scott Brooks, not fired. Scotty Brooks <laughs> making it happen, Captain. Somehow All not right. fired. Moving, not fired. <laughs> Moving on, we're gonna talk NHL. Joe, my Tampa Bay Lightning have dropped all the way to fifth. Overall in the NHL National Hockey League, we are now third in the Central Division. Um, we did uh, we did sweep the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, they are officially eliminated from the playoffs. But out of the forty-eight games played, we do have uh, thirty-two wins, so we're we're doing pretty well. Sixty-six points, so we're just two outside of the top tier of the Central Division. I think with this uh, latest sweep. We're on the right track. Playoffs are starting soon. Some teams have already clinched, which we'll talk about in a minute. But we're on the right track. I want to know how your Florida Panthers are doing. Brennan, you know South Florida is not... Use your words. (laughs) They're not... not A hockey town. No, 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 no. Stay here with me, folks. We're going to figure this out together. They are not foreign. They're not strangers. That's the one. You know, South. Let's reset it, folks. Brandon, tee me up again. Joe, enough about the lightning. I want to hear about your Florida Panthers. Now, Brandon, Florida. (laughs) Great city that it may be. Great state. Damn it. Um, one more time. Here we go. Yeah, one more time. Re-racking. <laughs> gotcha. Well, that's enough about my Tampa Bay Lightning. Joe, I want to hear about your Florida Panthers. No, Brennan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, one more time. I lost my, I lost my shit. Oh, come on. <laughs> All right, here we go. 
Enough about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Joe, I want to hear about your Florida Panthers. Now, Brennan, Florida is no stranger to a hurricane or two. All right. All season, we've been struggling to beat the Carolina Hurricanes. And this week, we lost to them again. And then we beat them. We beat them in an overtime game. We came back, finally rallied from 3-1 early. Rallied to get to 3-3. Soon as overtime started, the captain, Alex Alexander Bobrovsky. Nope. Don't ask me. Nope. I'm a Tampa Bay fan. Bar- Steven Stamkos? Barky. Barky. I, I forgot his first name for some reason. Why did I forget his first name? It's Alexander Bobrovsky. Barkov. Mm. Yeah, Alexander Barkov. Jeez. Him and the goalie's name are too damn similar to me. Sorry. Um, yeah, Barkov, overtime goal to get the win. It's pretty fantastic. Pretty glorious. So glorious I remember his name. Um, and we are second in the division. Uh, I don't know where we are in the overall standings. Let me check that third. out. We are third in the overall standings, second in the division. But Brennan, I don't know if you are, but I certainly am annoyed that our division hasn't clenched yet, even though there's teams with lesser point totals that have. Yeah, it just comes down to the divisions. And the problem with ours is we have three of the better teams in the NHL all in the same division. Florida Panthers, Carolina Hurricanes, and my Tampa Bay Lightning. And the middling but, teams are better than every other division, too. That's the issue. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's kind of crazy. But like you said, there are teams that have already clenched. The Vegas Golden Knights who lead out of nowhere lead the <laughs> NHL. And I say out of nowhere because we've been talking about this the whole NHL season. And it's always been the Florida Panthers, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Capitals. All those teams were kind of towards the top. The Knights haven't been higher than like five or four or five most of the season. And now they are number one in the NHL, clenched the playoffs, 70 points, two points better than anyone else behind them. Um, Colorado Avalanche, Avalanche, I don't even know anyone who would root for that team, but uh, I guess they've clenched too. whoop de doo who cares? Mm-hmm. And the Minnesota Wild. First mm. pro hockey game I ever saw was the Florida Panthers against the Minnesota Wild. So that's such a creative we'll name, just, Wild. <laughs> yeah, but those are all the teams that have clinched the playoffs. But like we see every year in the NHL, a lot of those top teams clinch early, go out in the first round. So we'll see we what happens. A couple teams that are eliminated, as Brennan said. The oh, Blue yes. Jackets are eliminated. Also, the New Jersey Devils and the Buffalo Sabres all eliminated from constant. Out uh, of playoff contention, take that. Uh, huge shout out to the Pittsburgh Penguins, also number one in the East. Anderson Cowan, former guest on the show, roots loudly and proudly for them. Uh, not so happy anniversary, Kyle and the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, look like they're going to be one of the next teams taken out of contention. Dun, dun, dun. Well, that wraps up the kickoff. We are going to move to the quick hits. We're going to keep it quick. Quick hits. You'd be surprised how quick. And- quick. Name it hits. Quick hits. All right, Joe, this first question is going to be for you. It's for me. And I guess, yeah, for you, for me, for us. <laughs> San Diego Padres and the Los Angeles Doyas. We're talking MLB. We're talking baseball. This has turned into the Battle of Titans. This is the best. Out west. This may be the best rivalry in sports. I tried to hype it all all last postseason, but then the Padres couldn't hold up their end of the bargain. So they ended up retooling this offseason. They went and got Blake Snell. To counter that, the Dodgers went and got Trevor Bauer, as we discussed with one Tyler White. Um, But Brennan, they played seven games in the last week and a half, give or take. It's a 4-3 series at this point for the season series. San Diego is up after winning three of four this past weekend. Yeah, because it's crazy. So the first series that they played, the Dodgers won the first two, and then the Padres came back and won the third. And everyone was kind of like, okay, here we go. Maybe this is happening. And it's just been back like, like you think, oh, the Dodgers are clearly the better team, and then the Padres come, and then you're like, Maybe the Padres are the better team. And it's especially because the Dodgers have been the perennial favorites the last few years. You know, always everyone's like, oh, it's the Dodgers to lose. It's the Dodgers to lose. And then after last year, after actually winning it, it's kind of like we talked to Tyler about it. It's like, oh, like it's ours. Now it's definitely ours to lose. Yeah. And 
The Padres of all teams. Coming I know for the you were, throat. Yeah. Coming for you, the throat. And you were calling this last season, and I was just kind of like, I don't really think so. Um, Little brother is trying to make a statement here, man. Yeah, so this has been a crazy awesome rivalry, reborn, an awesome series. I think they're going to play 22 games total, something like that. 19 total. 19? Okay, yeah. yeah. So I'm super anxious to see where this goes. Super excited. I might start watching more baseball now. Ooh. uh, If you want to watch more baseball, this is the clip you need to go look up. Uh, Trevor Bauer. Now, we talked about it with Tyler. We talked about it with Tyler. Trevor Bauer had been uh, one-eye pitching in the uh, in the spring ball, spring training camp, spring camp. What the heck is it called? Spring training. Spring. Yeah, Jeez. spring training. I'm losing myself here. So he was one eye pitching in spring training, right? He did it to the Padres in one of the games. So Fernando Tatis starts the game off, starts one of the games off, launches a homer deep, and you know what he does as he rounds the bases. What did he do? He rounds first, looks back at his dugout, turns around. You never turn around in your home run trap. Covers yeah. one eye. Uh, ha, ha, and then ha, ha. turns around and runs the rest of the base. I was like, oh, this is this is what I like to see right here. This is that flair. Yeah. This is, gonna turn in, this, this is going to turn into something. I think there's going to be a, oh, it's already a couple something. of. Well, there's going to be a couple bench claims before the season's over. Oh, I can for sure. That. These people Guarantee just plan don't like each other. Speaking of surprises like the Padres, we have a couple surprises at the top of the standings so far this MLB season. Just real quick. I know we're doing quick hits. I want to say uh, Boston is shocking. Because going into the season, everyone thought they were going to be a middling team at best, and the Yankees were going to take that whole AL East. Um but that's just all I wanted to say. Joe, take it away. <laughs> uh, yeah, we thought the Yankees would wrestle the NL- AL East away from the Tampa Bay Rays, who were the last year's uh, darlings, as people like to say. But uh, Boston has been doing it a little differently. Chris Sale is on IL still. It's no longer the DL. It's not the IR. Um, he's still on the IL after having Tommy John surgery. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez is back after uh, dealing with heart complications from COVID last year. Um, and he's really the main ace uh, along with Nathan Nivaldi. But their offense have been getting to it. Xander Bogart as well as Alex Verduga, who was uh, acquired via the Mookie Betts trade, is paying dividends. Uh, I believe he's had like a 370 uh, batting average right now like a four plus OBP, which is absurd. Um, Another team that is a bit shocking for me, Brennan, is uh, the Kansas City Royals. Uh, They're in the central with the White Sox um, and the Cleveland baseball team. Now, we didn't think much of the Cleveland baseball team because they got rid of uh, Francisco Lindor. But uh, the White Sox, we thought would be – we thought would be the runaway in this division, um, but they did lose Eloy Jimenez, but they still got T.A. and they have a no-no and they still got Lucas Giolito. Um, no-no from Carlos Rondo. But, um, Rondo? Ron- I, I should have stopped there. Rondo, thank you. Um, it's like R-O-D-O-N. It's really odd. Um, I can't name all the names. I gave you Alex Verduga. Um, Verduga! <laughs> but, uh, no, the Kansas City Royals has had some insane pitching. Their stud pitcher right now, I believe is Danny Duffy. Let me just double check this real quick. Has a sub one ERA. He's only let up one run in the four games he's played. This guy is lights out right now. Um, along with that, uh, Salvador Perez, um, who just read up, got a big contract. Has been leading the way as far as hitting. Uh, Betatendi, who they acquired from um, Boston, has been playing really well. A lot of guys on their staff they ended up getting like either a couple years ago or just this season, like Carlos Santana, Michael A. Taylor, who was a bum in fucking uh, Washington, if you had Tony Kornheiser talk about it. Um, Jorge Salar, who came over a couple years ago from the Cubbies. Um, all of those guys have been paying dividends right now offensively. Um, this team is literally came out of nowhere. I don't know if they're going to be able to hold it up, but 
boy, it has been quite the shocker. Definitely shocking. Last thing, then we're going to move on. But Joe, you got to talk about him. Mm. You're Miami Marlins. Um, we look great this year. We're the only team in the NL East with a positive run differential. It's only one right now. Um, that's after losing uh, last night to the San Francisco Giants. Uh, but Jesus Aguilar has um, Jesus Aguilar has been on a tear lately. Uh, I believe he's had three two run homers in a row, uh, which has been great. One of those ended up being a game uh, winner two nights ago. But um, no, Miami looks to be in good position. Uh, the pitching looks good, even though Sandy's last performance wasn't the best. Um, we seem to be good. Sixto's coming back from his shoulder inflammation. We're only two games out of the East right now. Also, it's still early, but no, we look like a we look like one of the more superior teams in this NL East. Uh, Atlanta's taking a bit of a nosedive. Um, Nats, they're never gonna get it back because of that pitching staff is completely rocked. The only thing they can rely on is Scherzer. The Phils, I don't know what it is. Uh, the, our, our Phillies correspondent has told us it's their bullpen. Their bullpen is horrible. Um, and the Mets, the Mets are just the Mets. The Mets. Ugh, the Mets. I can definitely see the Marlins winning this division. Hold me to that. Hell yeah, I'm going to hold you to it. Moving on. Quick hits. <laughs> quick. Joe, I don't know if you saw, there was UFC this weekend. Big fight. Huge oh, card. Blood sport. Blood sport um so for those of you who don't know it was ufc 261 usman versus masvidal two um there was no question in this one this was for the welterweight title uh the first fight between these two went um the whole way and then uh usman won by unanimous decision uh, Masvidal did not like that. Wanted to fight him again. And uh, how do you say it? he got knocked the fuck out? That's uh, that's putting it politely. He's a great fighter. Um, he's been fighting since he was a kid from South Florida. Uh, he, there's a bunch of YouTube videos of him street fighting and stuff like that, like these backyard sanctioned brawls and stuff. Uh, he's a fantastic fighter. But yeah, he just got caught. Got caught with a right to the dome. Looked like an exploding water balloon because my man Masvidal sweats a lot. And uh, he went he went out alligator arms and all went out. Um, so interesting, you know, Usman is considered one of the best pound for pound fighters uh, in the UFC. Uh, Dana White has been said uh, that has been quoted as saying he could be one of the greatest of all time uh, moving forward. He is 33, but he does have uh, a few more fights that everyone's looking forward to. The Johns Jones being um, one of them, if he could put on a little weight. Uh, but that probably won't happen just because John Jones situation with the UFC right now. Currently, my man wants more money and they don't want to give it to him. But um, it was a great fight. The other <laughs> thing I did. Wanna- sorry, that's why Ben Askren went and fought Jake Paul because that was the biggest purchase he's ever gotten. Yeah, that's yeah. So it's and I know these guys signed the contracts and then want to renegotiate the contracts once they you know start seeing their uh, worth go a little bit higher as far as their in how, how do I want to say as far as their influence in the fight world. Then, you know, you sign a contract and you're like, hey, I want to renegotiate. I want more money because I'm doing better. But, you know, obviously from the corporate side, the owner side, they don't see it that way. It's this is the contract. This is what you're going to get paid because this is what you agree to. So it's, you know, and then the fighters just won't fight. Uh, which is what it comes down to. The other thing I did want to mention um, in the women's, there was two women's uh, bouts, both title fights, but in the star weight division, Rose Nama Yunus. Uh, so Zhang Wheelie, <laughs> Zhang Wheelie was the first um, Chinese uh, champion in UFC history. And everyone thought she was going to be able to maintain against Rose. Uh, and then Rose caught her with a kick to the face. <laughs> and knocked her clean out. I don't know if that was did you like see that? one minute into the fight. Yeah. Right? yeah. 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 I don't know if you saw it, but it was, it was clean, like something you see in the movies, like yeah. clean, like you never see that in the UFC. Well, you, I shouldn't something say you never see more to come back. Like yeah. I last night. Yeah. Combat. Was good. Combat. You don't see it very much though. In like actual fighting sports because people defend and stuff like that. <laughs> 
but she caught her like clean with the kick. So that was that was nuts. Last thing I want to say, quick hits, quick. quick. Raya Hall and Chris Wedman. Um, crazy happenstance with the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the guy that got his leg. Yeah. Up. Hall checked a kick by uh, Weedman and it broke his broke his leg pretty Oof. severely. Um, so crazy happenstance uh, just because um, this happened with um, Anderson Silva when he fought Weedman. He uh, Weedman checked his kick and broke his ankle uh, or broke his tibia and fibia. And then Uriah Hall was the last person to fight Anderson Silva and beat Anderson Silva. So full circle happenstance, serendipity, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Chris Wedman goes against Uriah Hall and then breaks his leg the same way Anderson Silva broke his leg with Chris Wedman. I don't know. It was weird. Um, just the way that all worked out. Anyway, moving on. Quick hits. Joe, Quick. you have a question for me. Brennan, do you still live in that great city state of Florida? It's yeah, the Sunshine State for very shady people. Yes, I do. It's a callback to me flubbing, flubbing that line 18 times. Um, and now, after years, years of trying to get this off the ground, but as we know, because we're you're not born there. I was born there. Born and bred. True and true. Um, tried and tested. Um, I was one month old when I moved here. I was <laughs> born and bred here too. Not born. You were bred there. Um, in the great state of Florida. Uh, I always feel weird calling it a great state. I know it's not a great state. But um, but I love it. I can't do anything but love it because where I'm from. <laughs> a little inside of my psyche, folks. Um, in the... Complicated state of Florida. It's had a complicated history of gambling because um, the Seminole tribe pretty much has a handle on all that. The, the Seminole and the Mississippi tribe have a handle on all the gambling, um, as do most of the, most of the country. It's left to the native reserves um, and the native people to be in charge of that. But so sports gambling was far fetched to ever happen in Florida a couple of years ago. Federal pass that sports gambling is legal. Just have to get it passed on your books. State Florida, by state. Yep. Yeah. Florida has been trying and trying and trying. And this past weekend, they finally struck a deal with the Seminole tribe that would allow for sports betting. Brennan, how much money are you about to go into debt before you leave to go to New York? All of it. All of it. <laughs> All your no. savings is down the drain. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it still has to pass the state legislature. I think it'll go through. I think this is a huge uh, revenue generating. Huge revenue. Yeah. For the state. Uh, huge revenue generating tool for the state. <clears throat> I think I understand the negatives that come with sports gambling, but it's better just like drugs and alcohol. And as a recovering addict, I can speak to that. Like if people are going to do it, they're going to do it. Would you rather them do it with a sports book that can go after them legally or with a guy who's going to come over to their house and break their legs. And now they can't work to feed their family. Like, come on. Like it just makes more sense. Same argument I have with everybody about anything when it comes to this kind of stuff, people who want to do it are going to do it. Uh, you can't stop it. So you might as well, you know, gain a little tax revenue off it, baby. Yeah. I'm excited. Say. I can't wait. I'm putting the whole house on it. <laughs> I was going to say, don't put the house on the Jags to win the Super Bowl next year. Um, I am going to put them on to win the AFC South, though. Jesus H. Um, well, maybe. Um, no, they're not. Uh, well, are you kidding me? Maybe. The Titans no longer have their offensive <laughs> coordinator. Say, Titans. Titans, the Colts are going to do God Colts, knows what with Wentz. Yeah. I was say, yeah, that's the that's the thing that the came Texan across my mind. The Texans season is lost. Yeah, Sean Watson's say, not going to play. On, I don't even say his name anymore. Um, but yeah, him but, who will not speak up. <laughs> that was, who shall not be named. Um, but yeah, no, I don't even think of the uh, the morality of it um, because you talked about uh, people who are going to do it. Do it. I think of it more. Um, I think. Again, it's a complicated 
complicated relationship I share with the state of Florida, but um, for because they don't have any state income tax, it's harder for them to do a lot of stuff infrastructure wise because they don't have additional revenue. So this is going to generate two point five billion in the next five years. Now I'm yeah, hoping they spend all, that wisely is- and don't give it to Matt Gates so he can go buy more prostitutes. But um, I, I'd hope the state actually puts it into the infrastructure because they've been working on ninety five since I was born. It feels like. Uh, yeah, <laughs> same thing with I four. So, yeah, so I'm hoping they actually put this money to good use um, to the schools and everything. But um, yeah, no, the, it was gonna happen to happen somewhere. People were gonna place their money somewhere. Yeah. Why not do it through the natives um, and allow them to get a cut? Now they get a big percentage of a lot of the splits, which is awesome. If you're gonna bet through FanDuel or uh, DraftKings. They still get a huge percentage of that, and everybody's going to have to deal with that and be okay well, with that. They're not going to get a percentage of mine because I'm going to be winning, baby. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, landmark uh, piece of legislation that was negotiated with the natives of Florida, which is good to see. Uh, I'm happy Beautiful. for the state. Hopefully, the state does the right thing. Um, do the right thing. Fix 95 in the schools, just like Please, Joe's asking you to. Do the right that's thing. All. I just don't want to be in traffic because there's a fucking construction worker taking off three of the five lanes when I'm trying to go to the Marlins game. For God's sakes. For God's sakes. Fuck I-4. Fix 95. <laughs> Moving on to the walk <laughs> Yeah, I'm never going into the east. I'm never, I'm never yeah. going across the middle of the state. I'm going to Orlando when I got kids or something. Welcome to the big leagues. Kids, the walk off. All right, so short essay portion coming towards that time of the show. Joe, you will go first. I will go last. Go Take first. It yeah, host goes kidding. last. I know, I know, I know. Oh god, I was like again with this. <laughs> All right, so shut up. My walk off this week is entitled Super. American sports teams are may are. Made, hmm, I immediately messed up. American sports teams are created as money-making ventures. They are an asset. Buying cheap, and some years down the line, you can flip it for an astronomical number. Not the same can be said for club soccer in Europe. With the grand opening and grand closing of the Super League, I decided to look back at history. Soccer around the world is built on a meritocracy. Every club has the ability to work their way up from nothing to something. The notion is what this notion is what the Super League threatened. And this is what drove fans mad. Twelve teams decided that they shouldn't have to adhere to the rules of everyone else, even though they haven't always been the pillar of success because it like everything in soccer, it ebbs and flows. Chelsea was a team that appeared rudderless they got promoted back to the top flight in 1989 and floundered around mid-table in top six before their current Russian billionaire owner purchased them and spent the necessary money to turn them into champions the next year. From 95 to 02, Man City was bouncing around the lower league as lo- or lower leagues falling as low as Division 2 before climbing out of that hole and then getting purchased by the Glazers and then making a bunch of tournament wins. Now, the notion that those teams were trying to get rid of is what Leicester City did. Leicester City was relegated to the third division back in 2008. Then they went on to win the Premier League in 2015, making it the most improbable championship run ever, ever, by those same sports books that would now be in Florida. The 12 teams' names will be written in infamy. Arsenal, Man City, Chelsea, AC Milan, Inter Milan, Barca. I'm not going to name all of them. Relax, folks. Um, They tried to destroy the fair balance of soccer in Europe just because they wanted guaranteed revenue. When 
couple of those teams wouldn't even make the Champions League next year. And that's why they're trying to scrounge for everything. I see you, Arsenal. I see you, Tottenham. I see you, Liverpool. You're not top six this year. You're not top four. You wouldn't be in the championship. And that's why you're trying to ruin everything else. So goodbye. Goodbye to the Super League. Boom. Yeah, that was weird. It was a story for like a day and a half by the time we got over here and then it was gone. Grand opening, grand close. They debuted it while all of us were asleep. We woke up to the news. We thought everything was burning on fire. And then fans went to the street because over there, that's a thing. That's a thing. That's a thing. All right. You think think the San Diego Chargers would be in L.A. right now? (laughs) This was Europe. That would never have happened. You think Oakland would be in Las Vegas right now? I'm sorry. Absolutely not. My walk off. The best ability. Joe, shut up. Okay. With the NBA playoffs merely weeks away, we see every day from one sports show or another that so-and-so team is one of the teams to beat as long as they are healthy. That's a strange saying. As long as they are healthy, can get healthy, can stay healthy. This made me sit back and think for a moment. In pro sports, health for a team is the most important intangible attribute a team has. We see it every year in every sport. A team is projected to be close to the top. Then they suffer a devastating injury or two, and the entire outlook of the season shifts. Some teams can recover and play at a high level. Some try to just stay afloat and relevant in any way. And some, they lose the season completely and are devastated. As an example, here are just a few of the big-name injuries in the NBA this season that have affected and altered the outcome so far. Clay Thompson for Golden State, out for the season. Markel Fultz, Orlando Magic, out for the season. Jamal Murray, Denver Nuggets, out for the season. All players that went down with horrific season-ending injuries and, with respect to the first two teams, created a slim-to-none chance of making any noise in the playoffs. However, in Denver's case, a few well-timed trades might keep them afloat, but they went from a top-tier contender in the West to a, well, I guess we'll see, sort of team. We have seen it in football as well. In the case of the Colts, Peyton Manning was sat because of an injury. The season was completely lost. In comes Andrew Luck. This past year in the Super Bowl, Kansas City was missing key members of the offensive line, and it showed with Mahomes having to run for his life, and inevitably they lost that game, and a much healthier team in Tampa Bay won. There are times where a player's potential outweighs the injury risk long term. Guys like Sam Bradford getting contract after contract, $120 million over his playing career because he's a great quarterback when he is healthy. But that's the problem. He is rarely healthy. Kevin Durant in the NBA with a recent slew of injuries, but we would all rather have him for the next five years than, say, Julius Randle. Even though Randall is putting up numbers this year comparable only to Larry Bird in his two MVP seasons, Durant is by far the better player. There's no argument about that. But if he can't stay healthy, it will look like the brightest silver lining that he chose Brooklyn over the Knicks. Which leads me to my overarching point. The most important ability for any player in any professional sports is availability. Boom. I don't understand this Julius Randle take you going on, Brennan. Brennan, please don't do this. It's Jokic. Jokic is the MVP. Let's, let's settle it no, down. No, Jokic is. All I'm saying is that I thought it was crazy when, because remember last year, everyone thought, or last, the year before, when everyone thought Kyrie and KD are going to the Knicks. They're clearing cap space. They're going to the Knicks. And okay. then they went to Brooklyn. And everyone was like, what the fuck? Well, now fast forward a year. And Kevin Durant can't stay on the court. Kyrie, you know, is having his issues off, you know, with dealing with stuff off on the and court. off the court. Yeah, thank you. But <sighs> if you would have asked the Knicks fan base two True. years ago, they would have been like, "No, fuck this." And then you fast forward, and it's like, actually, we're pretty okay with this <laughs> Julius Randle guy. <laughs> yeah, so I just think it's interesting because, and I do it all I, the time. I, I think they still would rather have KD and Kyrie. Yeah, they would. They would. <laughs> But it's just crazy because I, I don't know if you do it as much as I do, but it's always like, God, if we could just stay healthy. And it's like, yeah, but that's the point. Everyone has to deal with injuries and it's just who who can you know make it to the end. That's Britain, why there's really, only. Are you really wondering if I've been acting at the guy who's no, uh, football the team has Eagles, been yeah. de- devastated by injury? <laughs> the guy who lost Jamal Murray and Will Barton over this past week? I know, um, I know. 
Yeah. But hey, um, the Nuggets are still playing well, so we'll see what happens. Anyway, yeah, on to the, the press conference. The and we'll bring you the press conference in its entirety. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Joker's an MVP. You can find me at Brennan T Comedy on all social media. Check out my website, BrennanTComedy.com. For upcoming dates, I'm a stand-up comic as well. Uh, I've got some dates coming up. Uh, big tour to announce coming in June. Uh, the Farewell to Florida tour uh, because we will be moving to New York City in July. Hopefully, knock on wood, that still stays. So we will have a Farewell to Florida tour in June going all across the state. Anyone I've ever hung out with or drank with or dated or anything, I'm coming to your city so you can come out Jeez. and see me do stand-up. How does Savannah feel about that? Um. Uh, anyway, she doesn't <laughs> listen. Um. Also, check out my other podcast. Brennan Tassif is your ex drinking buddy. This past week, I had my good friend Joe Dorville on there, uh, promoting his new album. Also, you can check us out. We did a Patreon bonus episode too. Patreon.com forward slash Brennan Tassif. Joe, take it away. Uh, you can check me out on all social media. You can check out this show first and foremost at Cheering Press on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can check me out at Joe Dorville on Twitter and Instagram um, and Snapchat. Uh, I don't ever be on there no more. No reason to follow me, folks. Um, what else I got? Oh, you can check out my hip hop album TV season two. That is the new one. What, 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 what? That's the new one out, folks. Season two, uh, Labor of Love. Uh, you can also go back and check out season one, uh, other name Headphone Joe. No O, no E in the phone portion. Uh, you can check out my website. Uh, if you can't figure out anything else I just said, that's joedorville.com. And you can check out my merch. And if you want a little coupon code, 15% off, season two, S-E-A-S-O-N, the number two. Brennan's laughing just like a new load did because I forgot how to spell season <laughs> as I was spelling season. Uh, you looked up in the stars like it I was, was in like, the sky. What is it again? I was like, see, sun. Okay. Um, yeah, season two is the coupon code for 15% off. I got some dope shit on there. Um, yeah, yeah, it is pretty sick. Thank Beautiful. You. Great episode. Brennan, take us away. And that's why we play the game. Hello. Hello. R.I.P. Terrence Clark. Gone too soon. You have been listening to the Anulo Podcast Network. We have four tremendous podcasts on our current roster. If you like the hit Broadway musical Hamilton, then you also might enjoy hearing the Ham Boys rank every song from the Hamilton soundtrack on Who Does a Podcast with hosts Headphone Joe and Kyle Loader. Get your sports talk radio fix with Cheers from the Press Box featuring Headphone Joe Dorville and stand-up comedian Brennan Tassif. Curious about how the brain works? Get your neuroscience knowledge with some laughs at Misbehavior Journal Club. This fortnightly science-slash-comedy podcast is where two lady researchers bring you the latest studies on behavior. It stars Amiel Moreno and Leah, a.k.a. Leah, or vice versa, Krevit. Finally, we have a new low. The podcast has started it all. This show features Farzad, Headphone Joe, Kyle Loader, L. Greg, and Scott by Scott. They discuss anything and everything depending on their moods or their level of sobriety at the time. Thank you for supporting the Anulo Network and feel free to share your favorite episodes with friends and family. Thanks again and goodbye.